Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers once again. Uh, my name's Rick, and I'm joined today by Tom Cauldron. Hello, Tom. Hi, Rick. And I'm joined by the other Tom as well, Tom Lovell. Hi. Hi, Rick. Hello, Tom. Hi. Thanks both Toms for joining me. It's a pleasure to speak to you both after quite a while. <laughs> it's been a while. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. We are Sheffield Board Games Club. We play board games mostly online at the moment, but uh, when we do meet, we uh, we meet at a club in, in Sheffield, and uh, we're under uh, lockdown again at the moment, so obviously no meetings taking place, but we have been uh, playing games online. Uh, we also managed, before we went into lockdown a second time, to go to a treehouse as well. So we uh, we organised a, a visit to a treehouse, and myself and a couple of others went Played a couple of games there, the board game cafe in Sheffield. So that was good. I enjoyed that. It was good to um, good to get out and uh, have some nice food there and a couple of drinks and and, and see a couple of guys I haven't seen for like six months or so. So yeah, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. And yeah, it just presses home how much I miss kind of going out and seeing people. You know what I mean? And talking to people and just chatting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've finally. Um Having held out hope for uh, getting back together for so long, we finally caved and started actually organising things properly on a weekly Discord meetup to replace the uh, the weekly meeting in a pub. Um, so you know yeah, that's, that's yeah. going all right, but it's not quite the same. But it's it's good. It's nice to speak to people. The best the best place to uh, go on is is it the forums to go to organise games if you want to play something? Uh, yeah, um, or is it Facebook or what's... we're we're still. Uh, organising it on the um, Sheffield Board Games Club um, website, the forums. Yeah, just like we, where we used to put, um, you know, what we played this Tuesday at the, at the pub. Now it's what we played this Tuesday on Discord, and we've got the link to the Discord server on there. Nice. Yeah, people can go on there, can't they? And suggest games or link up or whatever. So yeah, that's good. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I can uh, and ha- a split of having left Sheffield area as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're still welcome <laughs> yeah. to join, even though you're technically. Not Sheffield anymore. So. Well, well, it's good because being somewhere new, but not actually easy to meet up with people, it's been rather tricky to establish new links. So being able yeah. to join in with old links makes it a lot easier in a lot of respects. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to getting back into the into the swing of things. But uh, there's been a few a few bits of news that we've had we've had recently. Uh, Spiel Digital. So it's usually the time of year when the Essen uh, Spiel Fair rolls around, mm-hmm. and some club members usually go to that. Uh, some some people uh, visit there and go. Uh, but obviously, it's all online all online this year. So traditionally, quite a few games released as part of that. So there's quite a few games that have been announced and are going to be coming out quite soon. Yeah, I think um, there's been less than a normal. Uh, yeah, so normally at Essen there's a whole load, but this time there's sort of there's not like one big event to do it, so it's been spread out about a bit more, but still there's quite a few new ones. Yeah, quite quite interesting though. I'd look I'd look at the figures um, in 2019, so last year there was 1,247 games uh, that were released or announced at, at the fair. They're, mm. they're all listed on Board Game Geek, so you can go on and just have a look and see what they were. So 1,247, but this year 495. Yeah. So that's forty percent of what it was last year. So obviously, down that's probably down to the situation that we're in at the moment. But um, yeah, interesting that it's dropped dropped suddenly by by quite a lot. Still, uh, a lot of games being released, just not necessarily exactly so exactly the same time. They're not just waited for us, and they're just releasing it a few weeks before or a few weeks after. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably be uh, yeah either postponed or they might have even pushed them forward to come out already. So. Yeah. Yeah, they'll probably yeah spread them out like say, but a couple of a couple of good games that look uh, look quite interesting. One's called New York Zoo. Uh, this is UA Rosenberg, that, yeah. and it's his um, tile placement type game, uh, Tetromino tile placement game, where you're collecting uh, tiles and putting them onto your board, and then getting like groups of animals to score points. That was quite cool. Mm. Uh, and the other one that caught my eye was Chronicles of Crime fourteen hundred. So Chronicles of Crime is the um, app-driven game where you kind of uh, try and solve a crime that's happened set in the modern day with um, you know cell phones and uh, forensics and things like that. But this one's actually based in the medieval ages. It's based in the Ooh. 1400s. Oh, that's a bit different. So, yeah, it's the same yeah. kind of thing. You still use an app. Uh, you still scan the barcodes. Not a tablet with wax tablet or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that looks quite cool as well. So I really enjoyed the first one. So this one looks uh, looks cool as well. Cool as well. I'm, I'm glad they've took it in a different uh, in a different direction. I mean, I've, I could have quite enjoyed you know some more 
some more scenarios just in the modern day ones that they could have done. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what that's like. Yeah, I've only tried that once, but I thought it was very impressive. It's a good good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like uh, Sherlock Holmes, the consultant detective one, and those kind of mystery games where you, you know, you're trying to figure out what's happened, exit games and things like that. Yeah. So this is a, a similar to that kind of style game. I think it's the game that's most successfully sort of integrated um, apps and you know uh, technology with a board game, and it all working and not being gimmicky. Hmm. It's all. It was really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It did work. It did work well. They can be rather hit and miss, can't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some more, some more news. Pandemic Legacy is actually available now. Season mm-hmm. zero. So this is the prequel uh, to season one and two. So. Season one, I think, was one of the highest ranked games. It's been um, overtaken now on Board Game Geek, but uh, really popular games. So season zero is out now. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting hold of that one and playing that. Yeah, I'll definitely be getting that as well. Uh, and then the other the other bit of news that I've got is something called uh, uh, it's a new podcast that's coming out. Um, uh, this guy called Andy Bush, and he's on Absolute Radio. He's a DJ for their mm-hmm. like Drive Time and stuff. So quite a popular kind of mainstream DJ. When I've been driving around for work, I've uh, I, I listen to Absolute Radio sometimes, and he has actually mentioned board games before in his regular radio show. Uh, I think once he had mentioned that he was going out and he was going with a couple of friends down to either a cafe or um, you know a, a meeting somewhere, and, and mentioned a couple of games that he was going, playing. So I thought that was quite cool. Um, but uh, recently, he's just announced that he's starting a new podcast, which is called uh, Bush's Board Game Thing. Bit of an unusual title, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it's. Um, uh, it's available online. It's free to download. It's just a podcast that he's doing. It's separate from his radio stuff. Uh, I, I did have a listen. I listened to the first episode, and um, I, I don't think it's a very good podcast. It's a bit Alan Partridge, <laughs> if you see what I mean. But um, what's wrong with Alan Partridge? <laughs> but uh, it's, I thought it was interesting how, like, maybe board games are kind of coming more into the mainstream now. So, like, video games probably did maybe 10, 15 years ago, you know, when the PlayStation was big and, you know, a lot more people were playing games. I think board games are potentially getting to to that point now where people, you know, realise there's more than Monopoly, there's more than playing a Scrabble at Christmas with your, with your parents and stuff, that um, there's more mainstream stuff coming out. Um, we, we were just chatting earlier about um, the documentary as well that's on Amazon, a uh, board game documentary. So I'm looking forward to to watching that as well at some point. But it's interesting that these things are sort of coming out and being available now for, for you know, for general public to to watch and look at. Well, I suspect there's an element of parents with kids who've had to do distance learning and using screens all day going, mm-hmm. I don't want you to be on the computer playing games as well. And so mm-hmm. trying to find something to engage with them. And a board game is the perfect um, alternative, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's pretty much the news. <laughs> Not uh, there's a very uh, there's probably less news happening at the moment than normal. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one game that I've uh, I've played recently is quite a new one. It's called My City. Um, it's a Ryan Knizia game. It's released this year, 2020. It's two to four players and takes between 20 minutes and half an hour to play a game. Uh, this is a, a, a legacy game. Uh, the artist is Michael Menzel, who you might re- uh, recognise from games he's done Bruges. Uh, Cuba, Pillars of the Earth, quite a few, quite a few games. Quite a well-known artist, mm-hmm. uh, and the publisher's Cosmos. So we played two-player, uh, myself and my wife Tracy. We played this together. We played the Legacy campaign, so I've gone through all the uh, old campaign. Uh, there are eight chapters, and then there are three games in each chapter, so twenty-four games, uh, different games total that you're gonna you're gonna play through. So this is another uh, tiling game. You get a deck of cards, and you get some. Uh, tiles in different shapes you get a board uh, with like a river running down the middle Mm -hmm. you flip over a card you get each person takes that tile that's on the card so it could be like a t-shape or an l shape or uh, whatever it is a square and and you have to put that onto your board somewhere it looks almost tetris with buildings doesn't it yeah yeah that's it yeah it's kind of a landscape kind of uh, board that you've got and these tiles are buildings and you're you're plopping them down to to get points basically so that that's the main aim of the game is to is to get your points but at at the end of a game you get evaluated on your points to how well you're doing and then you get these little uh, advancement advancement markers on your board so if you've won or if you've done a particular thing in this game you'll get a couple of advancement markers and they carry over to the next game uh, and the goal of the campaign is to have the most of these advancement markers. That's how you win the 
within the overall campaign. So you might win a few games, but that's your that's your your goal. Uh, there are several envelopes to open, and each envelope has something new in it. So for each uh, every three games, you open up a new envelope. You get a few new rules, maybe a few new components, a few bits and bobs put in there, and that changes how the game plays slightly. And you play through the entire thing. So we played a two-player game, uh, and it, it seemed to work okay at two players. Uh, I think it would have been pretty much the same at four players. There's no uh, there's no interaction between the boards, so y- you both draw and place the same piece at the same time. There's nothing, you know, you can't affect your, your opponents or anything like that, so it doesn't really matter how many players you have, it's, it's pretty much the same either way. So whether that's a plus or a minus could be down to your own personal taste, I guess. But uh, yeah, there's no, no interaction at all. Um, there are stickers, these stickers that you stick on your board that change things up and uh, new rules and things like that. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was a good game. We we, uh, we really enjoyed it. Um, I think Tracy enjoyed it more than me. I think the uh, I think the legacy element's not really that uh, involved in it. It's there's no story, no characters, things like that. The the theme is like very. As, well, it's a Rhino Kiddity game, so you can imagine there's not much. Uh, you basically just placing tiles down. It could be anything, really. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's no theme there. There's no story as such. You're just placing placing pieces. It's a setting, really, rather than a theme. Yeah, get, getting points, and that's that's your goal. So I, I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more, you know, a bit more to it. Some characters to play as, some uh, abilities that maybe one person got and another person had a different ability, perhaps, and like that. I think they could have done more with it. It is a reasonably priced game. I think it's about thirty-five, forty pounds for the game. Whereas if you look at like Pandemic, they're eighty, eighty pounds or something to buy. So it is, it is a lot cheaper uh, than those games. But you can tell, you know, components-wise that you know it's not as big a game. It's not, it's not as uh, as hugely produced as those. But, uh, but having said that, we we both really enjoyed it. We uh, we played through the campaign. Um, each game only takes like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, in a two-player game so they are really quick to play and, and generally mm. we play like one chapter so three games in, in maybe an hour um, quite easily and then you stick a few stickers on your board update your you know your, your update your board so whatever you've got that particular game we did that like once a week so we played like three games each week uh, but the, there's um, there's also a, on, on the other side of the, each player's board there's like a, a pre-designed board there's like a, a fixed one that's the same for each player so once you've actually finished the campaign, you can play it like a normal a normal game as well. So you just use the deck of cards, you get the tiles that you've already you've already got for the for the start of the game. Um, some of the rules from the campaign are in there as well, and you can just play like a, a standard game. And, and, and again, that pre- plays pretty quickly. If you play, would it be worth almost playing the basic game on the sort of fixed side once before playing the campaign? Do you think that might help to get the hang of it, or best to go campaign first? Uh, you, you don't really need to play the, uh, the the standard game. What we did is we uh, read the rules and then we played like a, a a beginner game, you know, just a game with the with the rules as they are. Uh, but then we opened the first envelope, and the first game that you play in the first envelope is just a standard game anyway. So we just played the same game again. So you know, you don't need to uh, you don't need to play like um, you don't need to play any games beforehand. You can just rip straight into the first envelope and start off playing the first game. You don't need like a practice game or anything first. Um, there are elements in the um, permanent game that, that are in the that come up later on in the legacy game. So if you do that, you're probably going to spoil yourself and see you know see some of the rules a bit early. But it doesn't really matter. It's only a couple of little rules and a couple of little things are in there. Without spoiling anything, does it uh, does it come up with like big twists and surprises like the pandemic legacy ones did? Or no, is it a bit more gentle? Nope, just changes a bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we kind of predicted, we, we were guessing what was going to be in them. The envelopes are actually marked up. It tells you what's in the envelope. So, oh, okay. like, the... Uh, it, it, oh, right, okay. Again, I'll not spoil it, but on the envelope, it says this is whatever it is. Uh, so you, you know what's in it. And, and we were guessing, we were having a, a, a quick game of, you know, what, what's going to be in this one? Is it going to be a new card or a new piece or something? And, yeah, we, we got it pretty much right. So, yeah, there's no, there's no like, massive surprises. There's a couple of little bits in there that are, that are quite interesting, but more mechanical, I would say, than kind of, you know, exciting new things or exciting... The slightly modular changes to the game, I would say, rather than, you know, like a huge new twist or anything like that. Would you say, then, that the campaign teaches you how to play the game, the full game better. Is that kind of it? Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. About halfway through the, uh, about halfway through the um, campaign game, you've got all the rules for the, 
for the standard game for the you know standalone game. So there there is there is some extra stuff in there, but yeah, it's, it kind of teaches and it introduces the rules like one at a time as well. So like the starting game that you play is like really basic, just put some pieces down, get some points, and that's it. And then the second game that you play, it'll add another extra rule in. And then the third game, it'll add an extra rule in. And then by the time you got to the fifth or sixth one, it's taking out rules that you've had previously. So it'll say rule one from the first game doesn't exist anymore. So you don't play with that one, but you play with a new one instead. So it does evolve and change as you go along. Sounds decent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, for for what we paid for it, it was good. We uh, we've obviously got uh, got us enjoyment out of it. We you know we've uh, we've played all twenty four games and enjoyed it. And uh, we've played a few games of the standard game as well and enjoyed that. Uh, from from my point of view, I think that's probably as much my city as I would want to play. I probably won't wouldn't be bothered playing it anymore. But Tracy really liked it. She she likes her title title lane games quite a lot. She likes Baron Park and Number Nine and things like that. Uh, where you're putting tiles down and sort of fitting them together, and she she really loves that kind of game, so she she liked it a lot me a lot more than me, uh, and and enjoyed playing it. But I think the legacy part was um, yeah was quite well done. Um, enjoyed playing through it, and uh, yeah, I can I can recommend it. I think you'll uh, I think you'll play play all the way through it and enjoy it. But once once you've played it all through, I think that's pretty much. Yeah, all you, all you'll get out of it. I don't think you, there's much to go back to once you've actually finished it. I think I'm definitely going to try this out at some point. Yeah, yeah, that is my city. Uh, nominated for Spiel des Jahres 2020? Uh, nominated, didn't yeah, didn't win it, but yeah, nomination for Reineken it's here, yeah. I think I think he did yeah. win it previous years. He's run, won it before, hasn't he, and for some He has. He's, some he's, game well, he's been around was, for but... he's been around for five million years and made yeah. 20 billion games yeah, I think yeah. some of them have won awards yeah, yeah. that may be slightly exaggerating uh, w- uh, one, one thing I would quite mention it, 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 it is quite a light game so it, it's like a family weight game it's not something like Tigris and Euphrates where, you know where you, 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 you need to sort of knuckle down and play it half a dozen times it, it is something that you can pick up and play with with kids, maybe slightly old kids, not the younger ones, but um, secondary school kids. Yeah, I, I was surprised when you said uh, you could play it in fifteen minutes. I thought, it, uh, I thought it, uh, from the look of it, it sounded like a heavier game. But no, it is. It is fairly light. Yeah, knock it out in twenty minutes. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, and I enjoyed playing it. Uh, well, I've um, acquired a couple of new games lately. Well. Okay, Paul has acquired a couple of new <laughs> games I played him with. Um, yeah, he uh, went to the treehouse and bought a couple of random games. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really random because we knew we were going to be good. We've got um, uh, Glasgow, mm-hmm. uh, which is a sort of a two-player only um, city-building game, which is really nice. Uh, you've got a little. Um, I was about to call it a rondelle, but I suddenly doubted whether I'm using the term right. I'll call it a rondelle anyway. Mm. You've got a little rondelle of actions where you're moving your little uh, person around and getting either uh, going on that one and getting some resources and then someone goes over there and builds a thing. And, mm. and you're gradually creating a um, uh, a grid of tiles in the middle, which is shared. Uh, so you might have a factory that's pointing towards you, so that's your factory, but it's right next to a tenement pointing towards the opponent, and that's their tenement. And there's a lot of jockeying for position and trying to make things fire off at the right time because every time a something is built in the same row of the factory, it, it, it gives you something. And all the different types of building gives you diff- scores in different ways. Eventually, you've finished the entire grid and you just see what your score is. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes about maybe 20 minutes to play. Uh, it's a nice little bit of uh, thinky puzzling. It's a, it, yeah. I mean, it's um, it helps that it's uh, by a uh, by someone I've actually met who seems like a nice chap. <laughs> oh, <it> helps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Mandela FG. Uh, I think the FG stands for Fernando Grandes. Sorry, Mandela, if I've got that wrong. And it's it's a really nice little game. I'll, the slightly odd thing, the, the circle that you're going around the edge is apparently the River Clyde, and I don't remember the River Clyde being a circle. No, I don't recall it being a circle. Or having bricks in it. Probably best but... I don't get it for my Glaswegian <laughs> yeah. father-in-law. Though. But apart from that, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. I think the theme is is lightly added. It's not sort of integral yeah. to it. But, yeah. Mandela is from Glasgow, so it's obviously nicer. Is it setting rather than theme again? Yeah, it's got some pictures of... Uh, some. One of the things you can build is landmarks, and presumably, if you know Glasgow, you can go, oh yeah, that's that statue. And obviously, tenements is a, a big feature of the landscape. But yeah, it's it's a really nice little game. And we've, we've played it um, three or four times already, 
and it's it's sort of gone it, the setup's different every time so one time you might be really short of steel another time you might be uh every time the whiskey barrel comes around it's just before uh another thing which is the doubler so that might make some difference to your your mm-hmm. tactics yeah it's uh so it's got a nice little variable setup so so uh, you it said it's like really a rondelle, so you move you move the pieces really around good. to get to get actions. Is that is that right? Yeah, it's sort of a time track. So if one person moves, then they can move as far along as they like, but then the other, but then the person behind moves, and they keep on yeah. moving and oh, okay. things until they overtake the other one. Yeah, you know, just like in um, that time track game Takedo, you can move yeah. as far ahead as you like, but then whoever's behind gets to do all the actions in between. There's, a, there's that little uh, that gives you that little uh, decision point of oh I really need that thing over there but then they'll get all mm-hmm. this stuff and two player only which is um, how I'm playing most of my games at the moment obviously. <laughs> how long does yeah. it take? Did you say to play? Uh, I think it's only like twenty minutes, uh, maybe half yeah. an hour. Uh, yeah, pretty yeah. quick then. Yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, I, I recommend it. Uh, the other game we picked up was a bit more of a, a known quantity. Uh, that's uh, Mysterium Park. Now, have you, have you guys played oh, Mysterium yeah. at all? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like it, yeah. yeah. My wife has and told me good things about it. I haven't. Yeah, because that's been out uh, in, a, in a couple of different versions. So there's a couple of different versions of Mysterium that have been. There was the original one, which uh, first appeared um, in a Polish edition, I think. Tadzimnicie uh, Zamosvo. Bless you. I'm glad you tried pronouncing uh, that, not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Um, yeah. And then uh, that was then redone in an English version, Mysterium, but they added a lot of uh, extra rules. The basic gameplay is the same, which is one player is a ghost and the other players are investigators. And it's a cooperative thing where you've all got to try and uh get through the uh information the ghost is trying to give information to each player about which character they have to pick out of this selection of characters or and then which room they which location they have to they have to pick out of this selection of rooms which one's assigned to them but the only way they can communicate this is through mysterious visions so for example you've got a if you're trying to pick a out of this selection of characters, you've got a, a chef and a driver and a, a magician, and they've all you've got a photo and some various bits like a, 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 some gloves and a top hat and a, hmm. a playing card for the magician, things like that. Um, so, say I've I'm the ghost and I'm trying to communicate to Rick that he's got to pick the magician out of these characters. I might look at my set of cards of mysterious, weird visions. And go, aha, that one has um, a top hat floating through a void and there's a rabbit uh, hopping around in the background. Maybe that will communicate to him that he's got to go for this character because he's got a top hat on the card. Uh, and maybe I'll give him uh, this other one because the person's holding a club and that's like the, it might, might show him, uh, make him think that it goes with the, the club's card that's showing on there. So he'll, <laughs> he'll pick that. And then I give him these two mysterious visions, and he goes, "Aha! That's a moon, which looks a bit like a cake." So I'm going to pick the cook. <laughs> uh, <or laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, the ghost just has to stay silent while everyone's go- going for exactly the wrong idea. So the basic premise has stayed the same for all these different uh, games. The previous version of Mysterium, the one that was done in English, added a few more fiddly bit, so after everyone had decided yeah, what they were going for, yeah. everyone could bet on whether they were uh, whether they thought that they were right and they were wrong, and whoever did best out of that got more cards at the end for the final judgment bit. It was, it, yeah, it added a little bit of fiddliness. And mm. Mysterium Park, the new one, as well as sort of changing the setting from a haunted house to a mysterious, spooky funfair, um, mm. Uh, it also um, strips it down again. So all you've got to do as a ghost is communicate to this person that they've got this character and then communicate. Then after everyone's done the character, you try and communicate which room everyone's got or location. And then once you've done that, you've got uh, three sets of cards and you try and communicate to everyone 
uh, whether it's one set one, set two, or set three. And that's just it. It's stripped down. It's in a smaller box. It's a bit more portable, and it's a bit quicker. And I think mm. um, I think I'd probably prefer this to the the big version of Mysterium now. All right. Mm. Um, I mean, I'd happily play both, but you know, this is a bit of a quicker one. Plays um, two to six players, with one player being a ghost in each t- each time. So. And it's uh, got lovely artwork, as they always have. The, the bigger one is a little bit fiddly, isn't it? It's setting up the cards and then... Um, it is. Uh, voting and all things like that. So, yeah, it's good to see that it's a bit of a streamlined one. I mean, everything in there is there for a reason, and it and it does add some hmm. a, a little bit extra. But it is it sort of possibly takes away from the central gameplay a bit. Hmm. So you'd say Mysterium Park's kind of the fitter version. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at a review of this and looking at the rules and stuff, and because uh, I like Mysterium, and yeah, yeah it looks looks quite good. But uh, I, I thought oh, you can you can probably play you can probably play this game with the components from the original game. Uh, all all that you're missing is the cards that tell you what the uh, who the murderers are or who the suspects are. You get like cards with dots on, don't you, that tell you who's. Uh, who's in charge? But there, there is actually an online. There's an online. Um, yeah. Uh, so thing you can go to, just like a web browser page that you can go to, and you can click it, and it'll give you a card, like a random card. So all, that's all you need. And if you have got the Mysterium game already, you can actually play this game, but just with those yeah. same components. Yeah. One thing that uh, is uh, slightly lacking in this one, the Mysterium Park one, is that in mm. previous versions, the ghost got to sit behind a big screen. Um, and in this one, all yeah. you get is one little card that you you can see the back of. Um, yeah. So you're sitting behind the card instead of a screen, which is a little bit less. <laughs> uh, is it? Yeah, a bit um, <laughs> less dramatic. But yeah, I, I think you could probably totally, uh, if you had those cards generated, you could play it with the original cards. I, I played the original version. Yeah, the um, Polish version that you mentioned previously. What was it again, Tom? Tajemnicze do Mostwo. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm I, I that played right. that one at the club. Yeah, it, it wasn't available in English straight away, so somebody bought it and imported mm. it. A couple of copies, I think. So somebody out at the club and I played it. Yeah, when that first came out, I really enjoyed it, and that's why I picked up the uh, the English version, of the Mysterium that I've got. It's the mm. blue box one, the the English one. Um, so yeah, I'd be, be interested to play it. Is that kind of I like um, those kind of games like Dixit and things like that, where you get kind of you have to interpret what you're given rather than you know making a choice. Yeah, so, yeah, really, really good. And I do like the um, the change of setting to the fun fair as well. As a, I always liked uh, spooky fun fairs. So the, the actual cards you get, the vision cards, are they fun fair based or are they just like strange images like they are in the original? Uh, they're just strange images. Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's anything particularly fun fairy about them. And, and did you play two player? Did you say? Yeah. So I was the ghost, and Paula was. Um, you can just do it as. You try to indicate it to one person, but he in, he decided to have yeah. B two investigators. So, so I was trying to indicate to 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 her left hand, and then I tried to indicate to her right hand a different thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's a, it's a good game. Yeah, I like uh, I like Mysterium, but I think it'd probably be better with more players, uh, especially if you got a ghost who was pretty quick at handing out the cards. Yeah, uh, I did play a game once where um, it was quite a slow ghost. So somebody got some cards, and then you were waiting and waiting and waiting, and then somebody else got some cards, and then you were waiting and waiting and waiting. So if you've got, like, five or six players, it, it can take quite quite a while. So this this streamlined version kind of probably gets rid of that a bit to some extent. And Possibly, yeah. I mean, you've still got decisions to make. The uh, So would you say it's more of, like, four players' optimum number? Uh, yeah, I think it works pretty well with... Probably works pretty well with any number of players, but, yeah... Uh, one nice thing about having more players is they can the, the chat they can have they can all um, help each other with the dreams they're trying to interpret. So as a ghost, you're sitting there and you give someone some cards and they go, "Ah, yes, I think it must be the magician." And you're going, "Yes, yes." And then someone else goes, "Oh no, maybe it, it's that knight in armor, so it must be that one over there, the uh, the soldier." Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yeah, it might be, yeah. And you go, "Oh no, no, just <laughs> stick with what you thought in the first place." <laughs> So yeah, the 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 uh, talk between players is a is a nice thing that you kind of miss when when a with a two player game. Well, I've been playing a few games, but they're not particularly new now, um, and it's mainly because um, the schools have gone back, and the school I work in, uh, there's a war games and board games club, and uh, they should typically play kill team, but I've also been introducing them to some board games, so. Um, 
How, how cool is that? Going to going to school yeah. and playing games, <laughs> playing war games and board games. Brilliant. No, it's going to school and teaching people <laughs> games and not yeah. playing them so much. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's only part of the fun. Um, well, one of the games I've picked up is Takenoko because I thought that's um, quite a nice game. Very, you know, the criteria has to be they can learn to play the game and complete it mm. within about an hour. So some of the games, when you're aware, you've been playing plenty, you can probably play within an hour. These ones, you have to be relatively new, so a good kind of gateway game, um, but can be learned and played within that hour period. So they can turn up, play it, and then finish before they've got to either go home. And so Takenoko was one I picked up. Um, Catan, which we've talked about before, from my collection, and also um, Dice Forge. We've played Takenoko, and um, they've really sort of... I like... They've liked the colours. The the components are really quite nice and solid. Um, and in there's terms of gameplay... Panda. Sorry? Yeah. Cute panda. <laughs> you have a cute panda and a cute gardener. Well, in terms of design style. And, yeah, the, the principle where... Each round, you've got two actions, dependent on the weather, you can sometimes have three, and you're trying to score these objectives by placing different plots of land, making sure they're irrigated, making sure there is bamboo of the right amounts, and um, it plays quite quickly. Um, I've found that an hour period of time is enough to have it all set up, take people through for the first time, and they've enjoyed it, and you can kind of tell after about a third of the way through, they've worked out how to score the objectives by either getting the plots of land, either yellows or pinks or greens of the right um, shape, and having them irrigated, so um, or moving the panda correctly and the gardener, and they've worked it out the optimal mm. gameplay. Probably ought to talk a bit more about its design and stuff, haven't I, rather than how it <laughs> feels. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the principle is you are um, a gardener in Japan and the emperor comes along um, after a set period of time and judges you on the skill and beauty of your garden. Um, There is also the sacred panda that's wandering around eating the bamboo and the gardener trying his best to um, keep the garden looking nice, having plenty of bamboo. So there are three types of objectives. There's the plots objective, Panda objective and gardener objective. Plots is all to do with the different um, tile designs based on the garden. So you've got um, green, pink, and yellow tiles, and they're from different shapes, whether straight lines or a bit of a curve or a bit of a diamond shape. You've then got the panda objectives, which is a certain amount of set colours of bamboo. And then there's the gardener, which is probably the trickier one in some respects, because you need to get a set amount of bamboo, and quite often it's on a specific type of garden area, so one with an improvement, whether it's uh, the bamboo grows twice as fast, or one that's um, got the waterfall so regularly irrigated, and or one with the um, enclosure so the bamboo can't be eaten by the panda. And a number of times that has caused some of the students to fall foul, You've got five different actions each turn. You can either choose um, to take a new objective card. You can move the panda, move the um, gardener, move, um, irrigate an area, or choose and place a plot tile. And you choose two of these, um, and it gets affected by the weather as well. So you can have sunshine, which gives you three actions. I think wind gives you two and Storms Move the Panda and things. So really sort of quite simplistic gameplay, but there are bits that um, threw us. So one of the games fairly recently, the students got to a point where they couldn't take any more um, garden plot tiles. And they were going, well, why am I not allowed to do this? And it's like, well, because all of the plot um, objectives that you're taking, you've already got in your garden. So you're not trying to achieve something new. So they got a little bit, frustrated with that that um and so again next time i think they'll learn that if they're going to take the plot objectives they've got to take them early and yeah there's just those little elements that 
take a one run through mm. to learn to sort of play it better next time. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice game. That it's a, yeah, it's good. Uh, I like how everything like makes sense with the you know with the theme. Uh, the gardeners running around like planting yep. bamboo, and the pandas going around eating it, and you're just kind of trying to get like configurations to match your cards and stuff. Yeah, it's a nice, a nice game. I was going to say it feels like the theme is it is a theme rather than just a setting for this. Yeah, one. it's not just slapped on, is it? Yeah, it's uh, it does actually follow the theme to some extent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've enjoyed that one. Um, mm. One which is more. So I'll move now to Dice Forge, which mm-hmm. is definitely a lot more. The, there's a setting in order to make sense of things, but basically, because I think there's sort of a bit of a Greek setting. You've got um, the Minotaur, you've got the Elder Gods, you've got certain mystical forges and things, but I think the setting is just an excuse for rolling dice, changing things, and it's a nice game. Um, so I think it's a new, slightly newer game than Takenoko, because Takenoko is nearly 10 years old. Which I did. Is it really? Yeah, wow. 2011. I just yeah. checked that one out and went, wow. I thought it, I knew it wasn't new, but I didn't realize mm. it was that old, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So Dice Forge is a very, it's a nice tactile game. I think the biggest issue I've had with it is you, each player gets two dice, one which is a cream colored dice and one which is a gray colored dice, and you really can't tell the difference between the two. <laughs> um but in terms of gameplay each round each turn every player rolls their dice and collects whatever symbols are on the top they're normally gold um i think some kind of red gem a purple gem they're going to have proper names i've forgotten what they are <laughs> um and um a wreath with um victory points and the aim of the game is after nine rounds whoever scored the most victory points um, and you score victory points by performing uh, heroic. Uh, I'm trying to remember the correct names. I think you can. It's um, a heroic feat. So you either forge a hammer, or you defeat the Cyclops or the Minotaur, and that gives you a. Um, on one element, it gives you a certain number of victory points, but also gives you a benefit. So I think there's the Golden Hind which if you have rescued that, you're able to roll one of your dice um, as a free action at the start of your turn. Uh, sorry, after everyone's rolled their dice, you get to have a minor um, minor divinity, which is you get to roll one of your dice at that point as a benefit and things like that. So, yes, in you've got two options. You can, in your turn, once you've activated any of these additional blessings, is either forge a dice where you spend your gold to get new faces on your dice. So instead of starting off with lots of single golds, you can have multiple gold. So three or four gold on one face. Um, you can go from having just one red gem and one purple gem on your 12 faces to having several um, red gems, faces and things like that. And they all cost different points. You're, you get to use your um, forge the dice changing the probabilities of what you're likely to roll so more gold or more of the gems um, and you spend the red gems and the purple gems to do these heroic feats and if you're particularly good with the red gems and you have many of those you can possibly do two actions per turn and with the different number of people you've got affects um, the amount of dice faces available so you will have a different game for two players than you will for three or four because the amount of um, variation in faces changes. Um, and there's, I think there's the beginner set of cards of these heroic feats. I believe there's something like around 13 or so, and those can change around. So there's a lots of adaptability as you get on, which is one of the reasons why I've got it for the club, because I can teach them a beginner game, and they can all yeah. work out what they're doing, and then go, well, actually, you've played it, but now we can switch it around if there's only a couple of people um, who are able to play. Because, again, with, with COVID, um, as everyone probably knows, kids are in bubbles. So we can't have the year nines, the year tens, and the year elevens all playing in the same room at the same time. So mm. a game has to be able, that I've had to choose has to be able to be played by sort of two or three people 
and get that mix. So the fact that mm. if there's four people who want to play, it will work nicely. If there's two, again, it's the same one works in a pretty optimal way. So, so D- Dice Forge, as far as I remember, it's got a few more a few more rules in it than Takinoko. Did they did the kids actually pick up on the rules okay? And did they get their strategies of you know picking which dice face to take out and swap for something not better? We've not managed to or? play it that much. It's literally been a case of you get the hang after one game. I think you need it's a game where I think you need to play at the beginner level at least twice to right. like kind of yeah, the first, like a learning game first. De- definitely. To my yeah. mind, it's there's a learning game where you go, ah, oh, right, actually, if I do this, it's particularly optimal. Um, mm. These cards are the ones to aim for first. Um, so, yeah, that it's got a bit more of a learning curve, but we've not played it that much because right. we tend to alternate each week. One week, it tends to be killed team, and then the other week, it tended to be more board games and things. And also, mm. it's the start of term as well, so start back at school so again we're easing into things so um we'll have to see how second half term goes and how things look and, like then and do these do these games they actually belong to the club or are they games that you've taken in or so the club has access to my library of games um i have to make for everything that they want we've had to set up a system where they say, tell us in advance what game they want to play so i can take it mm. from my house and leave it for three days quarantine before it's mm. available for them to play. And then I have to sort of leave it for three days quarantine before I bring it home. Um, but there are some that we've bought for the kids as well in the school's oh, club. Right, yeah. So um, we've picked up code names and also, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Cash and Guns and mm. um, Avalon. Um, because I thought that some of them you'll be able to play at a a bit of a distance, you know, and actually it's not possible. So I thought cash and guns, maybe we could get them into a larger room of the different year groups. And they went, no, 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 no. Even with good ventilation and wearing face masks, <laughs> we don't want to touch that. So mm. that's something that will be when um, everything's sorted out. But I also picked up code names because I thought, well, if we go back to a situation which we had last um, March, April, May, where kids were at home and distance learning, I thought, well, if I'm running a game session through Skype or Teams, which we actually use, where you've got a video, I can have the images and I can then split the kids into two large groups. Um, We've also picked up uh, just one as well because that can be played quite nicely through video calls. And and so they're games that I wanted that would work well in a physical setting, but I could also use them through Teams to play with the kids, which were easy enough to learn um, and get on with, so. Oh, I think the kids are all very lucky. Uh, re- remembering back to my school days, I'm not sure our uh, St. Michael's Roman Catholic Secondary School would have approved of a games club where we were playing Kill Team and Cashing Guns, but uh, um, yeah, <laughs> things are moving. Well, on. <laughs> considering the alternative is Kill Team and the grim, dark uh, games workshop yeah. things, you know, Cashing Guns is a little bit soft and fuzzy with uh, John Kovalik's um, illustration compared to um, yeah, all of that with Games Workshop and Warhammer 40k and stuff. So that oh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does. I bet the kids love it. Yeah, I would have loved that if I, that was happening uh, at my school. Yeah, sounds brilliant. Mm. Did you actually start it, or was they this, do uh, seem to enjoy was this going it. on before you got there and you just? Uh, no, um, so when I started there, pretty much a year ago. Um, it was mainly 40 kill team that was being played. So it's mainly war games. And I've um, introduced them into some different things, some of the board games. So um, I've taken uh, Santorini in um, and uh, one of the year nines completely whooped the IT teacher <laughs> um, with that. Um, they've also enjoyed... Um, Cracks of Quedlinburg, uh, which I brought in as well. Um, and it, because, you know, those ones are games that are quite easy to learn and pick up, but because I've got mm. them in my collection, um, I bring them in if they're wanted. Um, we've struggled a little bit because of kids need to book in advance rather than just turn up. So mm. they're not that keen on having to plan out their activities in advance and tell us that they're coming along. But 
because we have to keep the different year groups separated, we've had to introduce this year, look, if you want to come along, that's fine. But you need to tell us so we can tell you which room to go to. So we're not having you all turn up to one room to find out where to be. So that has made things a little trickier because they just can't rock up to um, the room that we used to run things in. And we've we've also got to arrange staff members because for each year group, got to make sure we've got a person supervising them and things. So Mm. it's not been as straightforward. But we've got... um, a range of kids from each year group um, and there's been some ladies sign up as well so it's not just a few boys in year 10 for example um, and and as for me um, I've just been playing a few things at home with my son I've been playing some X-Wing um, we started actually D&D the other um, a few weeks back so he's been enjoying that and oh really yeah um, so a seven-year-old Funnily enough, quite likes uh, running around as a high elf cleric, um, and I've been having to learn how to DM D and D because I've never played it myself. So it's been quite a new thing for us. Yeah. So is that the D and D rules then? The the whatever edition it is now? It's a sixth or fifth it's, or something. I think it's fifth edition. Fifth, so yeah. I will not comment on the previous four because I've never played them. Yeah. Um, and I picked up the essential set, which actually is quite a nice kit. I think it's oh, yeah. about. 25 quid Mm. where you have got plenty of different campaign settings you've got dice you've got basic rules and it's quite quick to just set up a character um takes you through relatively easily and it's sufficiently simple that my seven-year-old has more or less got the hang of it my wife helps him out a little bit because um she's the other character Mm. um but it it works nicely, and so I think for twenty-five quid, yeah, it's um, you know given us several hours of fun already, and we're not, and we're only about halfway through. I guess I don't know. They're they're now at level three. I don't. Um, I, so I think they've got about four or so more um, adventures to go on before they finally get to face off against the ice mm. dragon. Or white dragon on ice fire. Yeah, my little boy was made up when I um, we'd been playing for a bit. He liked it, so I went and got hold of um, one of the high one of the elf cleric models and painted him up. Ooh. And so when we played a session and just placed it down there, it's like, oh, that's me. It's like, yeah, that's you. Um, I've got enough gribbly monsters from other things. Admittedly, um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you got any monsters. Yeah, well. The fact that I've been playing miniature war games of different types over the years, I've got enough different things that can sort of stand in. So I had some orcs from another game, which yeah. admittedly being the 28mm scale, which is higher than the um, the size of the uh, D&D characters, they towered over bigger them. orcs. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, considerably. It was a case of... <laughs> but it, it was still a case of, no, this is clearly... A dwar- an orc this is clearly an ogre so relative to where they were it worked but he just liked yeah. the fact that he actually then had the model of his character yeah that would be really cool, cool yeah yeah um not that i'm a very good painter at all but i've had enough years of practice that i'm no longer completely <laughs> rubbish <laughs> so that, that's the last boss then is it they've got to fight an ice dragon at the end they, they've got i think a Ooh. white dragon on ice spire. So I don't know yeah. whether it's an ice dragon, but um, there was one instance where they turned up. They'd just cleared um, in one of the early adventures um, a um, dwarven ruins, mm. and there is a random element was, does the um, dragon turn up? And as it transpired, there were some orcs that they were supposed to encounter, and then I rolled the dice like, oh, the dragon turns up. So they were there going, oh, crumbs, there's orcs. <laughs> Right, well, let's get fighting them. And then along comes the dragon, and that really <laughs> provided them with a nice cinematic element of, yeah. we've got orcs, we've got the dragon, what do we do? Um, <laughs> let's start shooting at the door at the orcs. And as <laughs> it happened, it was like, dragon came along and went, oh, there's some food, grabbed them, flew off. Yeah. But that kind of made it very real for them, but kept it all within the narrative of, well, the dragon's just coming along for some food. There happens to be some orcs. You just happened to sort of put a few arrows into one of them 
to satisfy its hunger and it just <laughs> disappeared off. But yeah, my, my son is learning to, to be a little braver because he kind of goes, I'm going to hide. It's like, look, you're the cleric. You're supposed to sort of protect <laughs> the softer, squishier wizard that's your mum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. So uh, that's all the games we've been playing recently then. So uh, moving on to the next section of the, of the show, this is uh, question of the week. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about uh, board game apps. Uh, have you played any board game apps recently? Um, I've got a couple on my phone. Um, there, there was a, a, a sale, I think, uh, back a couple of months ago, so I managed to pick up a few uh, that you can play online. Um, you can play like board game arena and you know, like Dominion and stuff online, just like in a browser. Uh, but I think the apps, if you get an app, it, it tends to be more more tailored to kind of a screen experience. So the, you know, the graphics are a bit nicer. The, you know, the layout is a bit nicer than the board game arena ones. It all just, you got music and stuff like that. So I think they are kind of um, a a bit nicer to, to play and, you know, you get a bit more of a board game feel out of it than, uh, than kind of sometimes the, the basic um, board game arena games are are, are pretty, you know, uh, pretty uh, basic on the screen when you see them. Do you, do do you find that at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'll have to admit I've not played. Many. No, well, <laughs> I haven't had that many. We, we can give you some recommendations. Yeah, then. I mean, the ones <laughs> I've got are Star Realms and Tigris and Euphrates and t- Through the Ages. Um, now, Through yeah. the Ages, I've never actually played in real life with actual people, but I heard it was a really good game, and I didn't want to actually start playing against people who'd played 50 times and were smashing uh, were going to just smash me 500, 500 points to zero um, or whatever <laughs> I, don't know, I can't remember its scores um, so I, <laughs> I, I bought that with the intention of you know practicing a little bit before I played with yeah, Ziad basically because yeah. <laughs> uh, they were the ones that were, yeah he was yeah. the one that was um, <laughs> crushing everyone at, through the ages every week uh, it's got a, it's it's a really Good app with a excellent excellent tutorial mode. That's the nice thing that it can do on apps. You don't have to slog through a rule book. You can go through a nice, yeah. nice actually, yeah, it, uh, a tutorial thing where it introduces all the yeah, things. the kind of teacher yeah. you go along, and that's got a really good one. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I've mm-hmm. never actually got around to playing with real people, but the the app was good enough, so I just um, kept on playing on that. I've, I've I'm struggling to beat the. Uh, so do, do you just play against the AI? Yeah, then? they've got various levels of AI. I'm struggling to beat yeah. the uh, the second easiest one. So um, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not I'm not graduated up to um, like uh, higher up levels yet. I'm still playing the peasants. There's two types of board games that I'd I'd be happy playing on apps, and one is the ones where you get um, sort of puzzles to solve every turn. And I think through the ages, and mm. possibly Tigers and Creators are one like that, where you can sit and and puzzle out what your best move is. And when you're playing with real people, you get all the advantages of playing with real people and you mm. know having a table talking thing. But mm. you don't have the luxury of just sitting and staring at the board. I mean, you can, but people will get annoyed with you. Um, and really puzzling out the <laughs> uh, the right options, and that's something you can do in a sort of app or solo game. Yeah, which is which is nice. Uh, yeah. The other sort of app that I uh, quite like is the, the Star Realms one, where uh, you can just sort of it it just flows nice and easy, and you can, um, just play against the AI just on the bus to work in the morning, and just boopy doopy doopy doop doop five minutes play the game, great. Uh, and it just uh, yeah, uh, and he just it just um, all goes so smoothly on that app. It's it's a it's a Fairly simply presented one because it just you know click a card and play it, um, and it all works very nicely. Yeah, well, having said, I've not looked, I've not bought anything. I've had a quick look to what's available and seen that there's the roots the board game available as an app. So, oh yes, I heard I'll that. I'll be tempted oh, yeah. to dip my toe yeah. in with that because I've heard great things about mm. root, and I really doubt I'm going to play a game of that anytime soon. So that mm. might enable me to actually play the game just without having to sort of go well I've got the box the you know the board game I've got the box and I don't have anyone who play it with me because mm. it's the kind of game my wife will just go 
no, Tom, that's just you. You're going to have to find someone else. And of course, <laughs> you can't find so many people really to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just having a look at my phone here. I've got a couple installed. Um, we were talking about Mysterium earlier. There's a Mysterium app. Oh, um, that's quite a good one. How does uh, that work then? You wouldn't think it would work playing against a computer. Play against yeah, the AI. Yeah, play right? against the AI. Yeah. Uh, play against a computer. Wow. And it picks cards for you. You can either be the ghost or you can be a you can be like a normal player. And it, it picks the cards for you, yeah, and points in the right direction. And you, I would you can not have thought that would want. work at all. That's and it, it works all right, yeah. Does it? Yeah. Does it make sense what cards it's picking then? Yeah, yeah. Or do, yeah. <laughs> or are you making it make sense? Like it picked three random ones, and you go, ah, yes, I think I see what it, it's doing. No, yeah. no, I, I don't know how they've done it, but yeah, it does. It's uh, it's quite good. It's quite interesting. So uh, if you if Ooh, try Mysterium Park, you could try yeah, try the Mysterium map. That's a good one. Uh, Seven Wonders and also Seven Wonders Duel. They're both on mm. there. Um, the Seven Wonders one, that's a, that's a really nice one. It, you can play it really quickly. Uh, like Tom was saying with Star Realms, usually with the uh, with the card game, you have to kind of shuffle your deck and you you know, you know it's a bit fiddly and stuff like that, but the app does it all for you, similar with Seven Wonders. And so, it, you um, again, you can play online against other people or you can play against the computer. And uh, it, it takes about 10 minutes. You can play a game in 10 minutes easily. Um, or, or you can, you know, like Tom says, take your time and pl- really plan it out and work out what you want to do. Um, but the dual one's good as well. Seven Wonders Duel, the two-player version. Uh, that's quite a good version of it as well. Uh, what else have I got on here? Oh, Twilight Struggle. That's a good one. Um, the political kind of um, oh, yeah. USA against the USSR uh, political kind of game uh, with historical events that crop up every now and then. Uh, didn't, didn't really fancy that one very much. Didn't really wasn't really interested in the theme. But when I played it, wow, it's a really good game. It's really good. It's uh, oh, yeah. yeah, really, really quite interesting and uh, pl- planning out what you're going to do and uh, countering, you know, the other person's. It's only a two player game, so you play either against a computer or you can play online. But yeah, that's a that's a really good game that um, that again plays quickly and uh, is is good in the app form. Stuff like Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride, all the popular games, they've all got apps, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. Have you found uh, that love, you've... Love, um, love Letter. You've got a few more of apps since and, since uh, we got locked down and couldn't play with real people. Yeah, yeah, they do seem to be uh, do seem to be quite popular. There's always been a few coming out, but I think there have been more coming out this year than... Previous years. Yeah, they do. They, they are getting more popularity, aren't they? Um, I found that I've, I'm playing them more, but I'm playing them against the computer more than other people. Uh, if I'm playing other people, usually I'll play board game arena or something like that online. But it, with, with the app, yeah. you both have to have it. I you both have well. got to bought it if you if you want to play the app. So that's a bit of a downside. Whereas stuff like board game arena, if only one person needs to have bought the game. Yeah, um, Star Realms has got um arena mode thing. Where you can play random strangers, but I've never really fancied the idea of that. So I don't want to play random strangers. I want to play either yeah. <laughs> play the game or play yeah. people I know. So I never really got into that bit. Yeah, um, with sorts of things such as um, board game arena. Obviously, you're online. And you can sort of join someone either through Discord or through some sort of like um, an online chat, like Skype or whatever. Can you do a similar thing with um, the apps at all? Because obviously, if you're playing a yeah. game, having a yeah, phone yeah. conversation might be a bit tricky. Yeah, um, you can do it on your phone. I think I've played before with Skype. So you like run Skype on your phone, and then you just go into the app, and it keeps the keeps the conversation going in the background. So oh, cool. you, yeah, you can do that. Um, I think some of them have like chat chat things built in as well. So if you don't want to actually talk to somebody, most of them have got like a little chat thing where you can you know send messages backwards and forwards just by text if you want to do it that way as well. <laughs> Is there enough space with people with chunky fingers like me to actually type <laughs> around the side of the game? That... <laughs> yeah, it can be a bit tricky. I think, uh, yeah, I, I usually play on my tablet, which is the, the bigger one. Right. Uh, so, so it, yeah, it, it expands everything out. It makes everything nice and clear. And but most of the games, you can kind of zoom in, can't you, and sort of see all the text and stuff. And, and the, help, the help files are quite good. Like Tom was saying, you know, there's ch- tutorials, but a lot of them you can tap on the card and it'll tell you what it does and stuff like that. So that, that kind of stuff, yeah, it's all, it's all pretty visible and legible. So are they really more apps for a tablet? So if you're rocking um, a smartphone, maybe, but you really want yeah. to have a 
a, a tablet kind of thing. Yeah. They'll, they'll work on either. Yeah, they'll work on either. But uh, yeah, more, clearer on the, the tablet size. more than anything. Yeah. The things with smaller, fiddlier bits will probably work better. But I mean, uh, Star Rub is fine because you've just got uh, big cards. You click on that card or yeah. that card or that card. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I want to play uh, Twilight Struggle on my phone. phone. Yeah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You could, yeah. oh, God, I, I clicked on Bolivia. I meant to click on Venezuela. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have it on my iPhone 12, but. <laughs> oh, uh, I should mention as well um, that these apps, um, a lot of them are available on Steam as well. So, um, mm. like, for example, the Mysterium app, you can download it onto your phone. I think it's available for Android and um, I- iPhone, but you can also download it on Steam as well. So if you go into Steam, you can just play it on your computer. Like a, it's exactly the same program, uh, all the same layout and stuff. You're just using your mouse instead of your finger on the screen. So uh, mm. if you just want to play them on your desktop computer and play them like on a big screen, you can do that as well. Oh, that makes sense. So you can kind of get Steam on your phone or tablet, install it and play it on your big computer or continue the game theoretically when you're out and about, if you could. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think the cross platform compatible so yeah you could uh, start a game on your phone and then when you get back home load up your yeah your program and carry on where you left off yeah yeah there's some uh, good ones out and as, as tom mentioned there's a lot more coming out all, all the time as well um a lot of the most of the big games have got have got versions available uh, i think that's pretty much it for this uh, episode then we'll wind it up there so uh thank you for joining me tom cauldron oh it's good been fun and tom lovewell it's been fun thank you for having me again yeah, it's been great listening to you both. Uh, we are Sheffield Board Gamers. Uh, we're playing games online at the moment, so come and join us on the forums. Uh, come and say hello on the Facebook. Uh, if you want to play some games online, we're usually playing on a Tuesday Tuesday evening, but people organise games on other days as well if you want to join in. So come and say hello, play some games with us. And until next time, goodbye for now. Bye. Bye.